7.04, it's Wednesday night, just after 7. That can mean only one thing. The Employment Hour is back here on AM640. As always, your calls love hearing from you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You have employment concerns. you got a severance package in front of you. Your buddy's going, yeah, man, that's good. Just sign it. No, 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 no. Don't sign it. Don't sign it. Call first. Find out what's going on. I guarantee it's going to have some shortcomings uh, for sure. Lots to get through tonight, Lior, but this one is big. We're going to uh, go past the week that was and get right into this. Uh, Uber, that's the word of the evening. Give me some details. What is going on? That's right, Johnny. Thank you very much, and welcome to all our listeners here to talk about your workplace rights, your employment law entitlements. Give us a call. Let's chat. Let's answer questions. Let's make sure that we're all informed and educated and well aware of what we're owed and what's our, what our rights are. But Uber, uh, this was a, a big matter. This is a big matter. This is a matter that's going to impact a lot of people. Whether you work for Uber or you don't work for Uber, this is going to have an impact on you potentially. So we started a class action against Uber uh, on the basis that their drivers, the, the people that you know that you've probably used, their drivers, their delivery people, are really employees, John. It is our view that the way that they're treated by Uber, the type of relationship that they have with Uber in the eyes of the law should be classified as an employment relationship. Therefore, this means that they have the same rights and entitlements as any employee, even though Uber has treated them as independent contractors. Why? Why have they done that? Because it's easier. It's cheaper. Yeah. Much easier, much cheaper to treat individuals as independent contractors. But as I've said before on the show, John, the law is a lot smarter than that. The law recognizes that if you don't really have any control over how uh, money is being made, if the company controls everything, how you get paid, when you get paid, how much you get paid, the, the, the amount of work that you have, uh, the, the terms uh, that you're going to be providing the service uh, by, then you're an employee. So just like in other jurisdictions where Uber has been found to be an employer and its drivers to be an employee, we feel that here in Ontario and across Canada, the same thing will happen. This is not a lawless environment that we have. These individuals have rights. Uber can't just do whatever it wants whenever it wants. Uh, And beyond that, John, remember I said that this is more than just about Uber? Well, that's because there's so many people out there that are misclassified as independent contractors. There's so many people out there in every type of industry where they're treated as independent contractors when they're really, in the eyes of the law, employees. So this is about them as well. This is about sending that message that you can't do that. Okay, People have rights and entitlements, and you can't eliminate them because it's more convenient to you. So here we're fighting for all those people as well, John. So if you drill down on this a little bit, what makes them? I mean, I might say I'm an Uber driver. I'm in my own car. I go out when I like. I take my calls. You know, I use my own gas. I have my own car. What's the, in the fine lines? What makes this me an employee when I'm working for Uber? So Uber, first of all, will decide when you're available to work, how much work you get, what assignments hmm. you get, what uh, rides, what fares you're going to have. And they may decide to penalize you if in the past you weren't available, if in the past uh, you, maybe you didn't get a good rating, they'll penalize you. Okay? They'll, they'll, uh, they won't send you rides or they'll send you uh, fares that are not very good. So they control all of that. Now, beyond that, they decide how much money you get paid. They decide uh, the, r- the route you're supposed to take or else they're not going to pay you if you drive more than what they think you should be driving. They can change those terms on a dime, and they've done that before. So ultimately, the type of relationship that we would want to see from an independent contractor and a company would be a, a, an equal relationship. They can negotiate terms. They're on the same level, on the same footing. This is not the case. There's no equality 
between Uber and its drivers. Oh, and by the way, John, you know what Uber says? Hey, driver, if you have a problem, if maybe you've done something wrong, you know what you have to do, driver? You have to file for an arbitration in the Netherlands. <laughs> All right? You That's have close. to take us to the Netherlands. So what does that mean? That means that Uber can do whatever it wants because no one's going to take him to the Netherlands. You know that, and I know that. So ah, we'll pay you. We won't pay you. What are you going to do about it? Go to the Netherlands? So that's the problem. That's what we're fighting for, for people to have rights that they can be that can be enforced right here in Ontario. We'll get to your calls here in a few minutes. So now on the Uber side, if this goes through, what does this mean to Uber? What difference will they have to uh, implement? Well, Uber is going to have to change its model. Uh, Uber is going to have to recognize that it's not as simple as saying, hey, you're a contractor. We don't have any responsibility for you. It's not that simple. They're going to have to have proper payroll practices and they're going to have to do things right or maybe change the model and actually make these people independent contractors have proper equal relationships with them. One of those things is going to have to happen. They can't have their cake and eat it too like they're doing right now. We'll take a a quick call in that regard. George, uh, you got a comment on Uber. Go ahead. Uber and the drivers, that that is a subcontract situation. It's a witch. Because uh, the, the guys that drive, it's their own cars, their own insurance. They just have a contract where they're just sending them to clients. It's just, uh, it's not like a job where you're going to a certain factory to work, right? Yeah, well, there's many types of job, George, and many jobs you, you, know, you don't have to go into a factory. And many jobs you do use your own tools and equipment. It comes down to really that, that equality, that ability that to control sure the terms. But that makes sure that, you see, if you use your own tools and your own insurance, they have to have their own. You see, that automatically makes you you're, you're in a subcontract. You're not working for them, right? Because everybody George, there's only, there's only two possibilities. Either someone is an employee or an independent contractor. A subcontractor is not something that exists in law. Okay, so so rather you're an hold on, George. George, give me, give me a second answer. Give me a second answer. Go ahead, Leo. So, and, and I understand why some people may think that, hey, these guys really are, are independent contractors. But aside from the fact that they, they drive their own cars, and many people may, may use their cars for work. You know, people travel all the time. Salespeople use their car. They can't get anywhere without their car. That doesn't change the fact that they're employees. Uber controls everything. You get no work, zero. Make no money unless Uber decides that you're worthy of getting work. Because of that, and in those situations, you're an employee, and, and their Uber drivers are employees. And because of that, George, tribunals in the U.S., in England, in Switzerland, have all found that Uber drivers are, in fact, employees. We'll take a quick break. Your phone calls got them lined up. The number 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Would love to talk to you as we're getting warmed up here on the Wednesday night edition of the Employment Hour Talk Radio, AM 640. It is 714 right here on your Wednesday evening. Yeah, your phone call's coming through. Love to hear from you, John. Thanks for hanging through that opening salvo there. You want to uh, give us some comments here? You have a question for Lior? Go ahead. Yeah, um, I have filed a lawsuit uh, against my uh, previous employer uh, for a wrongful dismissal, and I have a court-mandated mediation uh, day for me tomorrow. So I was wondering what to expect uh, during this mediation and uh, is, uh, what, what things I should watch out for. Is this uh, small claims or a regular court? Uh, this is the Ontario uh, court. Okay, but it's small claims or regular court? It's, it's about 25000 so it's a regular court. Hmm. 
Okay, because it's very different. Uh, at the regular court, mediation means diff something different than it means in small claims. Uh, are you represented by a lawyer, John? Yes. Okay. So first of all, I mean, I think that the appropriate thing would be to, to speak to your lawyer about it. A mediation generally is an know, opportunity to resolve the matter. It, it seems the employment lawyers are very busy and they hardly respond to emails. Or, uh, so well, then, then like John, you may need a better you. employment lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Because that's never an excuse, John. You, you may need a better lawyer. But let me tell you what a mediation is. A mediation is an opportunity for you to meet with your former employer together with a neutral mediator for the sole purpose of trying to resolve the matter. So it's a meeting. The purpose of that is to try to see if you can come to a resolution. The mediator cannot decide if you win or lose or how much money you get paid. The mediator is there to try to help you settle and bridge the gap. Usually what you're going to be is you're going to be in the one room with your lawyer the company and their lawyer are going to be in a different room, and there's going to be offers exchanged back and forth through the mediator. Usually a mediation takes about three hours, uh, and the, the goal is to resolve it. And if a lawyer knows what he or she is doing, probably 90% of these cases are going to resolve with mediation. If you don't resolve, then the case continues. So, so uh, John, that's what a mediation is. Okay, great. Makes sense. Got uh, Matthew now in Toronto. Good evening, Matthew. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. I'm well. You? Good. Go, uh, go ahead. What's your concern? Uh, so I have a couple really quick questions. Uh, with my company, I've accumulated about nine, ten weeks of vacation time. Uh, if I were to get laid off or fired, uh, do the, number one, do I have to get paid out? And also, I'm in commission-based sales, uh, and I have about a million dollars in confirmed orders over the next year or so. And how long do I get paid my commissions? So, excellent question, uh, Matthew. So, first of all, with respect to vacation, yes, any accrued and outstanding vacation that you have is at the date of termination, th then you, you get paid out. So, if right now you have nine weeks, for example, accrued vacation that you, you could take if you wanted. If you do uh, lose your job, they have to pay you that out, not even a question. Those are your entitlements. Okay. Now, with respect to any commissions that, that you have kind of uh, – that, that you've, you've earned – it's a question of did you do everything you were supposed to to earn those commissions. So if your job with respect to those commissions is done, so you've completed 100% what you were supposed to do to earn those commissions, then yes, then you should get paid those commissions. Okay, yeah, you should get paid them yeah, fully. I have now, if, you, if you're not... Or, or purchase orders against for, to total that million dollars. So they're basically confirmed Well, then, then you need to... Good. Then you have to get paid commissions on that. They can't. What they cannot do is say, "Wait a second. We know that he's going to get uh, this large commission check because he has a, a million dollars of order. So let's pick a convenient date to avoid having him <laughs> to, to pay him this yeah, commission." Of if you've done your job, if you've earned your commissions, they have to pay out those commissions as long as your job is complete and the, the orders are, are are solid. Okay. Good to know. Appreciate the uh, call, uh, Matthew. Jeff. Good evening, sir. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Good, pal. What's um, up? This is uh, just a general question that kind of uh, shocked me, and I thought I'd call in because I listen to you guys almost weekly. Um, and uh, the situation is a colleague of mine, or not a work colleague, a friend of mine, sorry, uh, she was on maternity leave, and her boss called her and told her that she lost her job because of uh, um, there's been a, a realignment of the mm -hmm. company, per se. And I know, Leo, you're going to ask this, this before I so I'm going to automatically assume you're going to ask this question. I'm not 100% sure if he was actually an employee or a contractor. I, I'm not sure, so I'm going to assume that would make a difference. But I always hear you saying, leave the woman alone. So I thought even on maternity leave, they were not. They were untouchable. 
So that is 100% true. It is 100% true. This is one area where it doesn't actually matter if you're an employee uh, or an independent contractor because this is a human rights issue. Now, if you're in fact uh, being let go because you're on maternity leave, even if you're an independent contractor, that's still discrimination. That's still illegal. An employer doesn't have a right to do that. So if an employer still, or it doesn't matter, a company, an employer says, we're going to let you go because of that, that's a human rights issue. That's illegal. Now, where the employee contractor issue could matter is with respect to severance. So apart from human rights matters and potentially human rights damages, if she's an employee, either in reality or in the eyes of the law, that she's owed full severance. She may not be owed severance if she's an independent contractor, but she still has rights under the human rights code. So to take all of that, Jeff, and summarize it, she needs to give me a call. Whatever she went through is illegal. I can't believe that there's still companies that do that. They don't abide by the rules. You don't mess with mama. Uh, so she has to give me a call as soon as possible, and I'll do everything possible to help her. Well, Leo, I may have misled you. Um, I, I don't know if I said the company did restructure, and that was the reason why they let her go. Does that make a difference? If they let her go because of restructuring, irrespective of her maternity leave, then it may make a difference on the human rights front, but there's still the issue of severance that we need to talk about. And okay. in fact, if she is still on maternity leave, when she's let go, she actually may be owed additional severance, more severance than she would be owed normally because she's not necessarily able to go out there and look for a job right now. Jeff, so appreciate the call. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And your phone calls keep uh, coming through. Bring them on. We'll get to more after a uh, very short break. Right here, four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on cell. It's seven twenty five. Appreciate uh, all of you chiming in tonight on the phone lines. You know, it's 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 the one thing grabbed me in the last caller, Leor, and that was the fact that the lawyer hasn't gotten back to him. That steams my bean, man. I mean, you know what? It steams mine as well. First of all, I don't know exactly what steams my bean means, but I'm assuming it's a bad thing. We can say it on uh, the radio. That's- <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's one of the few things we can. But no, but that is so wrong. So he says he has a mediation tomorrow, and he knows nothing about it. He's yep. calling us on the radio to find out what that is. <laughs> that it's ridiculous. A mediation is one of the most important steps whenever there's a legal dispute. It's when 90% of these cases resolve and you have to sit down with the individual if you're the lawyer. And usually I sit down for an hour. We talk about what the mediation is, how it's going to work, who's going to be there, and talk about our strategy, expectation, dollar amounts. So that's ridiculous. That that really, really upsets me that someone would do that. It's absolutely ridiculous. So because of that, what you have to do, if you're ever in that situation, if someone's not getting back to you, doesn't matter if it's a lawyer, it's an accountant, you need a better person to serve you, okay? It's ridiculous. Don't stand for that. You don't have to call me if you don't want to. That's fine. But find someone else. You deserve to be responded to. You deserve to have that information if you hire someone. Got uh, Jeff in Oshawa. Good evening, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Good, pal. What is going on with you? Not much. Nice to speak to you, Leora. I have a quick question. Sure. Um, if you are representing a client and you have to send a letter to an employer saying that, um, uh, you've, according to common law, you've uh, let this person go without cause. Um, you know, send a check to blah 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 my office or whatever. And the employer sends writes you back and says, uh, "No, we disagree. This is 100% with cause." What's the next process? Where do you file uh, your statement of claim? Is that like, does that go to small claims court under 25k, or is there a different 
court or tribunal? Where does that go after that stage? So if, if the matter can't be resolved without a claim, then if for matters that are under $25,000, they go to small claims court. You file it with the small claims court. For matters that are over 25000 you file with the regular court or what we call, call the superior court. So it right. really comes down to what the dollar amount is, what the individual believes the claim is. If I think you're owed $50,000 in severance, then it would be filed in the superior court. If I think you're owed 15000 they will be in small claims. Does that I make do. sense, Richard? Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, that's, or that's Jeff, perfect. I'm sorry. No problem. Okay, no problem. And, and if that happens to you, give me a call. Let, let's talk about it. Sometimes we can avoid that and resolve it even before that happens. Hey, Albert, good evening. Thanks for calling in. How are you? Good. Yourself? Good. What's your concern? Um, just a quick question. I actually tuned in when you guys were talking about the uh, Uber situation. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm a, a little bit curious as to how that would work with contractors because um, there are companies out there that have started websites people can log into and get contractors and that sort of thing. And quite often that's where you get your business and they take, I guess, what would be considered a finder's fee. So if the job was to run $700, they'll take 10% or 15% off the top, that sort of thing. And if they're the ones similar to Uber that are, you know, feeding you the business, giving you the call, et cetera. Um, I'm wondering, like for myself, it's not a big deal because I, I have uh, an incorporated company, but I do have a couple of friends that are uh, sole proprietorships and they're running into issues with this. And I was just wondering on their behalf, what would that be like? And, and by the way, that's, that's a great question I'm going to answer right now. But just so you know, whether you're incorporated or not actually doesn't really factor into the issue of the whole employment contractor thing. Anyone can incorporate and that doesn't necessarily make you an independent contractor. But to answer your specific question, if the service that this other company is providing is just connecting you with someone and you still have to negotiate the rate with the uh, with the, the client, you still have to decide when you're going to do the work, how you're going to do the work. Uh, you, may, you may have someone doing the work on your behalf, a subcontractor of yours, then it's not an employment relationship. Uber is different. Okay. Uber decides how much they're going to get paid, when they're going to get paid. You can't subcontract it. So if this is simply connecting you with a prospective client, then that is exactly what an independent contractor relationship is, and that seems kosher, uh, very different than what Uber is doing. Okay, but there are uh, there are a couple of sites in the uh, in the GTA that actually will say, okay, this job is worth X amount of dollars. It's to be done within this time frame. Uh, here's a contact, away you go. So, again, it, it really does depend. It, it probably still doesn't create an employment relationship, uh, but it, it might. It might, depending on what the other terms are. It, can you subcontract it? Do you have control over timing, uh, et cetera? I mean, can they penalize you if, you if you don't take a job? So all those things would have to be accounted for uh, in deciding whether or not someone is an independent contractor or not. Hey, Richard, uh, good evening. We'll get you, uh, get you in here before a quick break. Uh, what's your concern, pal? Uh, good evening. Um, so I've spoken before, and I'm just looking for some information. I'm considered a private contractor, and I have a package from the Labor Board of Ontario, which includes a letter of intent to get my back pay for my holidays for the last mm-hmm. two years. You're only allowed to go back to February of 2015. Right. And would you believe that this letter of intent, are you familiar with the package that they offer? Uh, the 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 labor board? Yes. I, I I don't know exactly what you're referring to. That you got a package from the labor board. I don't know what that means. No. Yeah. Okay. It's just a package and explains everything. And if I wish to file a claim with them against my employer, okay, you use this package. But in the package, it 
it gives you a letter of intent, which you pre- uh, present to the employer. And I it, tells, it tells him what money you believe you're owed. And if he would like to square up yep. based on this letter, then there's no investigation started. It gives him 10 days to decide what he wants to do. After 10 days, I can file a claim, and hopefully they go after him. So, so what's the question, Richard? So do you think that's a good way to go about it, to get this started? No, I don't think I don't think that's a, a good way to go about it at all because there may be additional entitlements that you have that you may not even realize. And by filing a complaint with the Labor Board, you're going to be giving those up completely. So the first step is actually to get some legal advice about your specific situation to decide how much you're owed potentially other than, than overtime. And a letter from a lawyer, I assure you, would be more powerful than this letter threatening them. Maybe I'm going to go to the Labor Board. So, no, I don't think that's the way to go. I don't think that's very efficient, at least not until you know exactly what you are owed. You've got to get some legal advice. That number, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Richard, we'll take a short break. Got your calls coming through, guys. Hang on. We will get to you. For everyone else, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up here on your Wednesday evening. 736, yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You want to... Call through, get your informations, questions answered. This is the way. Mario in Richmond Hill. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. What's your What's your concern? I'm calling on behalf of uh, one of my mates, actually. I've known him for a long time. Uh, what happened, he recently last week got sacked. He's worked for like a major retailer as a senior manager for about 25 years now. And there was an investigation regarding some customer complaints uh, over a policy, and they came back and said, okay, uh, we suspended you with pay, and then investigated and came back and they fired him with ca- for cause. He didn't violate any policy because they clearly state, it was over a return, by the way, So, and it clearly states that as a, he, as a manager, he has the right to refuse a return if he cannot identify the product, of which he clearly said to the customer. So a, a complaint was lodged, and then they came back and they sacked him. And what they wow. gave him as, um, as a compensation is a 16 weeks of a severance pay. For 25 Whereas as years. Far as, I un- as far as I understand, that is not correct. And no, Mary, that, that's not even close. And I, I think that you're being a really good friend by, by calling here uh, on his behalf. And here's the thing. I mean, after 25 years, even if your friend did breach a policy, let, let's assume that your yes, friend he, did. Yes, he did. Let's, let's assume that yeah. he did. Yeah, yeah let, let, let us assume that he did. For him to be terminated for cause without proper severance, man, he would have had to breach some pretty uh, uh, important policies and do it repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. So, right. no, th- there's no way to let him go after 25 years for breach of policy uh, and, and without proper severance. So let me tell you this. Senior manager, after 25 years, he'd be looking at somewhere between 20 to 24 months compensation. Months, not yeah. weeks. So if he receives 16 weeks, that's you know a fifth or a sixth of what he's actually owed. So your friend has been wrongfully dismissed, and not even a question based on what you've just told me. So so that, do the next step as a good friend. Have him give me a call. Sometimes people may be uh, you know a bit upset, a bit shy, a bit bashful. Have him give me a call. Let me talk to him. Let me help him get what he's owed. He doesn't want right. to leave after 25 years with only 16 weeks pay. That's ridiculous. Well, he didn't even want to leave, period, because he's looking forward to his retirement. Because, like, yeah, I mean, from my point of view, they've robbed him of his dignity, really, of something that's important. And we're having 
spent half a century with the company, mm. right? So I, I couldn't I, agree I more. He deserved he, a lot better. I think, uh, and I guess I want, uh, where I want to advise him, I believe, based on listening to your last call, uh, this goes to superior court instead of small claims, right? Yeah, but, but the good news is, Mario, uh, we may not even have to go to either of those courts. We right. may be able to resolve it before and without that. So have him give me a call. But certainly, if we have to, of course we'll do that. Uh, but because these matters are not complicated, because uh, kind of I know what I'm doing, let's put it bluntly, we may be able like to actually do. resolve it before yeah. that. <laughs> yes. All right. Brilliant. Mario, thank Thanks, you. That's Mario. that's something you should mention, too. A lot of people think automatic, you know, okay, we're going to uh, go against the company, bam, court. It doesn't work that way. Companies no, don't like court. It, court costs money. Yeah, and, and you don't need to. <laughs> no. You really don't need to. Listen, uh, the reason why I practice employment law, you want me to tell you why? It's because it's not that complicated, okay? Here's a secret. You heard it here first, okay? You can resolve these matters, okay? And it's not tax law. I don't understand anything about tax law. So we can resolve these matters. We can resolve them on good terms. Sometimes, yeah, we have to file legal action. But we, we don't always have to. In many, many cases, we don't. And we can resolve it very, very quickly. Stay on the line if you're hanging in there. For everyone else, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. We answer all the questions and your concerns, so bring them on. AM 640. Yeah, that number, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Your calls. Love them. John, how are you, pal? Hello, hi. Uh, so, same John. Uh, yep. Uh, I, I talked about the uh, mediation. Yeah, welcome back. I, uh, I had another question. Um, I'm an uh, information technology worker, and I guess I fall under the exempt category uh, for overtime uh, purposes. Um, yep. But how do the courts view this if, you know, the employer consistently makes you work uh, 14 hours a day, uh, you know, seven days a week kind of situation? Um, you know, uh, it, it is unfortunate, uh, John, that there's an exemption, as you've just said, with respect to IT, uh, information technology workers, as relates to overtime. It's one of a few categories where people are exempt from overtime. So, uh, you know, what the only thing I can tell you is the, the, a court or anyone is not going to give you necessarily additional compensation. But if a court's going to look at you and, and the amount of severance that you're getting and think, okay, well, I think John is owed, I don't know, eight to ten months severance. But you know what? He's been worked hard. He was such a good employee. He he really was a team player. I'm going to give him something in the higher end. I'm going to give him the 10 months instead of the 8 months. So that's what I see a court uh, may be able to do. But there's not going to be any direct compensation uh, for the extra hours because because of the fact that you're in IT. Uh, so, so that's how uh, the law would look at it. Got uh, Danny on the line. Good evening, Danny. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm an employee, full-time employee, and I have the opportunity to contribute to a defined contribution plan, again, voluntary, and the company matches a percentage. And I'm wondering if that's something I can look at as part of a compensation package when released. Yeah, so so really what you're asking, for for those that may be unclear about it, is uh, if you pay into a pension plan and the company matches the payment into the plan and you lost your job, is, is that going to be factored in as part of the severance? And the answer is absolutely yes, because it's a part of your compensation. In fact, it's an important part. So, yes, yeah, so the company would have to, uh, to, to continue its matching for that period of time to provide that extra amount 
uh, for the severance period. So if, if the amount of severance, for example, is equivalent to an 18 months, let's just use an example, then for that 18-month period, for an 18-month period, the company would have to continue its contributions and pay its share. Uh, so yes, that is always part of the severance, and, and uh, you can't forget that. That can be a big deal uh, and worth a lot of money down the road. That's key. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Danny. And uh, finally, Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Yes, I have a question. Now. I mean, uh, I'm a senior software developer working for a company about three and a half years now. And if they were to let me go, what kind of service I'm looking at? So three and a half years. What is your actual job, Matt? Uh, senior software developer. I got that title about a year ago. Before that, okay, I was got a it. software developer. So that was a promotion for you, of course. And, yeah. and Matt, how old are you? 35. So you're looking at right around five to six months pay, all right? Uh, five to six months, probably more like five uh, is what should be owed here, but that includes all your compensation. That includes your salary. That includes your benefits, any bonuses that you get. Uh, are you concerned about losing your job, Matt? Um, maybe. There's stuff going on in the company, so... Yeah. It's always good to be prepared, I guess. So at least now yeah. you have that information. You know, if you lose your job, if you're not sure if it's appropriate or if it's less than what I told you, you know what to do. You just give me a call. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate that. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. So a lot of these numbers you've thrown out tonight uh, about how much people get. I mean, you do it off the top of your head now, but there's a tool for it that you developed a few years ago on your own. Well, you had some help, but you're taking credit. Uh, severancepaycalculator.com. Give me some details on that. That's right. Well, you know, because an employment lawyer can provide that assessment essentially off the top of their head uh, and uh, assess how much someone is entitled to if they lost your job, I wanted to make that information available to everyone. So rather than uh, put everyone through a uh, uh, three years of law school and 15 years of, of, of practice of law, uh, I created the Severance Calculator. It's, it's at, uh, available at severancepaycalculator.com. You can also, if you want, download the app uh, on your favorite uh, app store. Uh, and it does what the name suggests. It calculates and it tells you how much severance you're owed. So, for example, someone like, uh, like Matt that just called us could have gone to severancepaycalculator.com. And he would have input his age, his position, and the length of his employment. And then the severance calculator would have done the rest and would have told him exactly how many months pay he is owed. Uh, Whether it's two, two months, six months, 24 months, or anything else in between. It's so easy to use. It takes about 20 seconds. It's free. It's anonymous. So always check out severancepaycalculator.com if you're worried about losing your job and definitely if you just lost your job. You know, a big chunk of the show tonight, we uh, concentrate at least at the beginning on Uber and what's going on with those guys in your clash action lawsuit. Uh, in light of that, let's talk about really uh, about an independent contractor. Who is, who isn't? Does it really matter if you are an employee or an independent contractor? Well, yeah, it really does matter. And the reason why it's so important whether someone is an independent contractor or an employee is because the law stays out of a relationship between a company and an independent contractor. So if you're an independent contractor, the law for the most part stays out of it, So, which means that the employer doesn't have to uh, abide by the laws that we have with respect to termination and severance and overtime and vacation. The law says, hey, it's, it's the Wild West. It's fair game. Uh, you guys decide whatever works for you. We don't care. So that's very different than an employment relationship. If it's an employment relationship, that's when the law says, well, wait a second. Now there's rules. Now there's obligations that the employer has to uh, comply with. There's rights and entitlements that the employee has, and, and you can't violate those. We, we've established those, and those are important. So 
so that's the difference. If you, in fact, you're an independent contractor, no laws really apply to you for the most part. If you're an employee, you have a lot of protections and just one of them, just one of these protections has to do with termination and severance. If you lose your job as an independent contractor, guess what? You don't really get anything. If you lose your job as an employee, as our listeners by now hopefully know, you get full severance. It could be months and months pay. It could be tens of thousands of dollars worth. So that's why it's so important that that distinction uh, be maintained. And because it's so important, what I want people to understand is just because you call yourself an independent contractor doesn't make you an independent contractor. In many cases, really, in the eyes of the law, you are an employee, irrespective of what you may think that you are. We'll take a, uh, give you a couple minutes to grab a phone, give us a call if you have any last-minute questions or uh, things you want to discuss about your employment or your severance, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell and like that. We'll continue our discussion on the independent contractor. Hey, you got a few minutes to uh, give us a call. You better get it in now if you want to talk. We'll... We'll talk to you. So we were talking about independent contractors, and in light of all the uh, Uber drivers that are listening to us right now, because I know they are, uh, define, please, an independent contractor. So an independent contractor, John, is someone that's in business for him or herself. An independent contractor works for themselves. Because they work for themselves, they have lots of control. They can decide who they're going to work for, who they're not, how much they're going to charge, when they're going to charge, the terms of payment. Uh, they can decide anything and everything, uh, and, and they make that decision. They have a lot of clients. They don't work just for one company or one individual. They work for a bunch of people, uh, etc. So that's what an independent contractor actually is. Uh, independent contractor doesn't uh, work just for one, doesn't depend on one company, and you know, kind of spreads the love around, so to speak. So, hey, you, you just have a leaky faucet at your home now. You need to call a plumber. The plumber comes in, gives you a, an estimate, and then you book the plumber to do the job, etc. Well, that plumber is an independent contractor. They don't work for you. They have a bunch of clients. An employee is very different. An employee depends on the company for their work. An employee doesn't really have uh, a lot of clients. An employee uh, doesn't have the ability to negotiate the terms of compensation. They have to do what their employer tells them. That's why it's so important that uh, that distinction be maintained, and that's what we say the Uber drivers really are. They're employees of Uber. It's fascinating. Got uh, Gary on the line. Good evening, Gary. Hey, pal. Hey, yeah, right. Go ahead. Hey, good. How about you? Good. What's your concern? Uh, my concern is um, we have an employee that worked for us for, for quite a few years, and then she left for medical reasons. Um, and now she's come back to work. And she, when she comes back with her doctor's note, she says that she's got, she can only work reduced hours and reduced responsibilities she's willing to take on compared to what she was. Right. So we've, been, we've been quite sympathetic and, um, you know, she's more or less dictated to the hours that she'd work, whether or not that's right or not. And we kept her pay at the same, even though she's doing reduced duties as reduced responsibilities, um, my question to you is, do we as an employer have any problem with reducing her pay to a more appropriate level? Excellent question. And, and certainly the big one is the hours. If she's working less hours, you absolutely can reduce her pay accordingly. So if she used to work 40, now she's working uh, 30, then you can reduce her pay uh, in, in, to match that. Now, if she's you're talking certainly about hourly, doing... You're talking about hourly rate, right? 
well, I mean, if she's working less hours, she's going to yeah. make uh, get paid for less hours, right? Yeah. But if she's doing a job that also pays less, she's doing a lower level job, and that is the standard uh, pay that you have there. Yeah, you are allowed to pay her for that job. You don't have to necessarily necessarily pay her for the old uh, job if, in fact, it's a very different job and everyone else that that makes the, that does the new job gets paid less. So you don't have to pay her for 40 hours if you if she works for uh, 30, and you don't have to pay her for job A if she's doing job B. You have to provide accommodation, uh, of course, and, and if you're not sure if what she's asking for is appropriate, you are allowed to ask her doctor questions about what she really does need and even propose a job to the uh, doctor and say, here's the job that we do have for her. Can she do this job? So you can put her feet to the fire, so to speak, but you don't have to overpay her in this situation. Yeah. If she comes back and just says, so she doesn't want to do this, that, and the other thing anymore, and these were additional responsibilities that, you know, that, that she had taken on. Now, I'm not doing any of those things anymore, and I'm only working these hours. I'm only going to work, you know, the hours that I want to work. We've been very sympathetic with her and putting up with it. The fact that we started paying her at, at her old rate, at, at her old hourly rate, is there going to be any problem if we – if we change that, if we set any precedent there? Yeah, you, you, you might have. You might have. The way I'd couch it, though, is to say, well, we were doing that to see if you're going to be able to move into your old rate. Now that we know that you can't, we're going to reduce you. I would want to talk to you off air a bit more before you do that because you don't want to be found to have constructively dismissed her. And remember, she can't just decide what hour she's going to work. It has to come from a doctor. So we may need to ask more questions here. Uh, so there's a lot to talk, and we're running out of time, Gary. So give me a call off air. Let's talk about it and discuss it. Hey, uh, busy night, my friend. Well done. A lot of information out there in the interim until our next show. You want to get a hold of Lior Simple, Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Through email, the number is one 821 5900 directly. And uh, also check out severancepaycalculator.com. Till next time, the Employment Hour, right here, Talk Radio, AM 640.